We learned last week that God has given gifts, universal gifts, to his church from the time that Christ ascended back to heaven and will be until he returns for his church. And those were apostles and prophets, New Testament prophets that is, apostles and prophets who handed the torch, who handed the baton to the evangelists and the pastors. Pastor, teacher, okay, synonymous. The word and would mean that is. Okay, so pastor slash teacher. And we learned last week that it basically means teaching shepherd. We've been studying this concept of oneness. Because we're a body, we're one in Christ, okay? Now, whether or not you like that or not, the fact that you are one with the guy sitting next to you, you are one with the guy sitting three rows behind you, you're one with the sister sitting four rows in front of you, you are one with that brother and sister. You and I are one in Christ. That's our position. If you're a Christian, you are righteously, you're positionally righteous in Christ. We've learned that all of the righteousness that is the Lord Jesus Christ has been placed on your account. Therefore, you stand perfectly pure in the sight of God. That's your position. Our position is the fact that we are one in Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, we studied a few weeks ago, say this. There is one body, one spirit. We are called in one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. And in you all. He's in you. The same God who indwells you, indwells me. The same God who indwells you, indwells the person you may have a problem with. So the whole study of chapter 4 is the idea of living our life. It's Paul encouraging us, beseeching us, begging us to live a life that properly matches the position you have in Christ. So the perfect position you have in Christ, he's exhorting you to live out that life as though you were fully perfected, fully matured on a day-by-day -day basis. That's the exhortation, and that's what we're going through here. That's what we're learning. And you know, to do that, guys, we're called to endeavor to keep the unity and the bond of peace. Endeavor, it means to, means to work hard at it. Because we're already one, right, positionally. We're one, one body, one spirit, one God, one Father above all who's in you all. Amen? Okay? Because of that, we are called to work hard, to endeavor to not create the unity, but to keep it. It's already been established. Whether you like it or not, you're going to be spending eternity with those other brothers and sisters who are in Christ. We'll be spending eternity together. So the exhortation of Paul here is that you must endeavor to keep that unity, practically speaking, day by day, in your Christian walk, as long as you're here on this earth. And that's where we're at. And that's what we're looking at. So what he's saying is, when we are united like that, and God's given these gifted men to the church, he's given the gifted men to equip the body to do what? The work of the ministry. It's not one man's job to do the work of the ministry. It's not even my job to do the work of the ministry. It's not the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry. It's the pastor, shepherd, teacher's job to equip the flock to do the work of the ministry. And that is right where we're at here, centered in chapter 4. This is the heart of the ministry, guys. The heart of the ministry is the building up of the body to perfect the saints. The word perfect that we'll see many times this week as we did last week, perfect means fully mature, full grown, continuing to grow in stature. Continuing to grow. Heart of the ministry, you know what it is? To get to that place, sound doctrine, teaching of the saints, equipping. The only way to equip the flock is to give them correct teaching. That's sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. So the key phrase in, in verse 12, if you look at it for a minute, it says, pastors, teachers for what? The equipping of the saints. Or some of your translations may say perfecting the saints. Now, today we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. Verses 13 through 16 are impossible because these are the purposes of perfected or matured saints. They're impossible unless verse 12 is a reality. Unless the saints, which are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
are equipped to do the work of the ministry versus 13 through 16, they can't happen. They won't happen. So it's conditional. It's conditional is what we'll look at today. So today when you walk out of here, you will be able to measure your maturity as a believer in Christ based on the verses that we're going to look at today. So you're going to be able to walk out of here challenging yourself as to the level of maturity that you're at as a child of God. And guess who arrives? Guess who's arrived? Nobody. Because the maturing process is an ongoing pursuit and it's an ongoing work that he does in and through us until the day he returns. So we must exhort and edify one another in that. And for us to function properly, we've got to be operating within our gifts so that we can minister to one another. That's the idea. Are you with me? Very good. Now, over the years, this, there's been this uh, thing known as uh, the church growth movement in modern evangelicalism. Okay? And the church growth movement is, is a pastor. If you go to these seminars and these classes and they give you all these methods and all these formulas to appease people and to get masses of people into the doors of the church to fill the empty seats. Okay? That's the church growth movement. But the church growth movement in that sense has nothing to do with growing the saints the full chairs to do the work of the ministry. The focus is on the empty chairs to get masses of people in from the community, sending out little mailers, selling, sending out little questionnaires, how can we most effectively meet your needs here at our local church? It, it gets twisted, it gets upside down. The focus of the ministry is to equip the seats that are full. You guys, when you're full and equipped, you'll go reach those people. And we'll see that today. We'll see that today as we work through this. To do that, guys, the key, doctrine. The Word of God is the key, but the doctrine is the substance that's going to get us there. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. He said, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And he goes on to say, these things teach in command. So doctrine is the heart of the ministry. The Word of God is the key. And if the Word of God is not taught to God's people, sound doctrine that is, they will not be able to grow. They will they'll be stunted. So, when the saints gather, and we understand, I hope, saints means believers. Saints means true believers. If you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are considered a saint. When the saints corporately join together, as we are here today, I, me standing up here and evangelizing, 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 evangelizing will not equip you. That's giving milk. And too much milk will limit your growth. If you begin to feed, for those of you who have babies, right now they're on milk. My son is 17. If I was still feeding him milk, he, he would pro he'd probably be dead. Okay? There comes a time where you've got you to get on the solid food to grow physically, mentally. And if you continually feed a Christian milk, they'll be limited in their growth. So it cannot be evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Blah. It must be doctrine, 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 doctrine. Okay? That's the context. That's what we're looking at. Because an ongoing diet of milk will produce ill-equipped Christians who are easily swayed in an any false belief system and totally unproductive in reproducing themselves. Therefore, we will teach doctrine. 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 Colossians 1.28, Paul said this, Here we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all, in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Again, perfect means maturity. And maturity begins with this, renewed what? Thinking. Renewed thinking. Ephesians 4.23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Colossians 3.10, We as believers have put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Renewed thinking enables the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Bottom line. So equipping, we looked at this word last week. Katatizo is the word. Keep that there because it's going to be used a few times today. It means to restore something to its original condition. 
The same word is used when John and James were mending their nets in their father's boat after a day of fishing. They tore apart the nets. The same word was used to mend them back together. Okay? So the idea for the body is to move us from sin to obedience, constantly restoring, constantly equipping, constantly tying and knitting that net back together again so that it's effective. Or it also means to mend a bone, to mend a broken, something that's disjointed or broken. It's to mend it together. That's the work of the ministry. The work never ends. Now, we hear about this word profession. God is not calling you to a perfectly sinless life. Right? Because that's impossible on earth. Amen? If you think that you can be practically perfect, practically sinless on this earth, or have you been taught that, you've been lied to. Your position in Christ is perfectly righteous. You will never pay for your sins if you're a believer. But the more that you move from sin to obedience to Christ within the body, operating and functioning as brothers and sisters to edify one another, you will sin less. But you won't be sinless. Amen? The more you grow in Christ, the less you sin. The more you grow to be like Christ, the, the more you desire not to sin. The more you grow to be like the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who saved you and redeemed you and renewed you, the more hunger you have for righteousness and the more putrefied and sick you get about your sin. And then you begin to see your sin not as you once saw it, but as God sees it. As God sees it. And that makes you desire to move closer to Him. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Another thing that mature Christians understand is that they're uniquely gifted. So mature Christians are moving from sin to obedience. Okay, we're, we're in the introduction right now, by the way. Okay, we haven't hit the sermon yet. This is introduction. Mature Christians also know that they've been uniquely gifted to function within the body. Mark this down. First Peter four verse ten. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. Mark that word steward in your mind. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We'll get back to that in a minute. This church, any church, ought to be, this church will be, will be, school. This is school. This is school to bring the saints to maturity. To equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's what this is all about, brothers and sisters. And we will minister to one another in love. Amen? That's what this is about. And equipped saints will do the work of the ministry. They'll do it. Any church is having problems functioning properly means there's division, most likely. Or means that there's, it's not an area of which they are enabled to grow in the knowledge of sound doctrine. Now, anywhere there's, there's not growth, it could be sin in individual lives. We got that down. That's pretty simple, right? But it could also mean that there's a failure to have a maturing environment, an environment where you're able to go be matured. So if you're just evangelism, evangelism, cute story, cute story, a movie clip, and then have the kids come up and give you some illustrated point to some verse in the Bible, you're going to be totally limited as to your level of maturity in this classroom setting. You understand, amen? Very important. When someone grows up, when a plant fully grows and is nurtured, what does it do? It reproduces itself. When a Christian is matured, he begins to reproduce himself. That which was poured into you flows out of you right into others, and there's this ongoing, constant, continual work of maturity throughout the body. See what I'm saying? It babies don't make babies. Okay? Babies don't make babies. Full-grown adults make babies. Okay? Biologically speaking, a full-grown biologically matured young lady can reproduce and have a baby but you get the idea 
adults make babies. Okay? We can't go out and just go make a bunch of babies and just leave them laying all over the place. You got it? We must equip the babies and grow the babies up to be mature in the faith. And that's what leads us to the purposes of an equipped body. There's five of them. Ready? That takes us to our sermon in verse 13. Five purposes that we're going to look at of perfected saints in one source, which will be our conclusion. Five purposes, one source. Purpose number one, look at verse 13. Until we all come to the unity of the what? Unity of the faith, thank you. As there's a building up, the whole body matures. You're not going to see a hand grow without the arm growing, right? If you see a kid, he's eight years old, and his hand continues to grow and his body doesn't, it's going to be, you know, weird, right? It's only as each body part grows that the whole body grows in stature, spiritual stature. So if you've got a bunch of disjointed um, division within, there's going to be a hindrance to that growth. Hindrance. If you're not being fed a uh, nourishing meal, you can't grow. And the first thing that the church will grow in is unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2. This is what Paul said to the church at Corinth. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you're still carnal. For where there are envy, stripe, and divisions among you. Divisions, division, will stunt spiritual growth, period. Division will stunt growth as a body. Where there's, spiritual, where there's division in the body, there will always be spiritual infancy. If there's divisions among you, he's got, Paul had to talk to him as little babies in the faith. He had to feed him milk. They couldn't handle the solid food. Mature saints realize they're one in the faith, and they endeavor and they work hard to keep the unity established by Christ. If there's sound teaching, there'll be maturity. If there's not sound teaching, there will not be maturity. If one comes in here with a relinquished will to the Lordship of Christ and the Holy Spirit, so the work has the Word has an ability to work, you'll see growth. If someone comes in and their ears are covered and their eyes are closed, so to speak, they're just not in their head, but their yieldedness is not to the Lord. They're holding on to it. It's just words, like we said last week. We use Charlie Brown's teacher as the example. Remember that? Wah, 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 wah. Just words. Just words. Wishy-washy teaching produces wishy-washy saints. So unity. Maturity leads to unity of the faith. Okay? So the faith here, the, 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 the reference to faith is the body of true Christian doctrine. Now, I'll tell you this much. A lot of people know Scripture. I know people, they can start off Scripture to everything. They can start off the Scripture, but you know what? They don't know what it means. You can know Scripture, and when you don't know what it means, you'll be all over the map. Okay? So this unity of the faith, it's to the full body of Christian doctrine. Knowing what it says, knowing what it means, and that's why we go verse by verse. This unity will come from doctrinal ignorance. Doctrinal ignorance. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Look at what Paul said. He says, I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. That you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together. There's that word again. Perfectly joined together. Ketartizo. Remember? Equipping, mending, joined together. Same word. Putting it back together like it's supposed to be. And we got to get put back together regularly, don't we? How many times you got to get put back together in your walk? Hopefully you say daily. Daily, amen. Because that, that's the club I'm in. I'm in the daily club of getting put back together. Right? Hourly, amen. When people are not taught doctrine, when they don't have sound doctrine, foolish discord will set in. Foolish discord over the most foolish, ridiculous things you could ever think about. 
A lot of times people get involved in ministry and in some facet of ministry, they think they own it. Remember in First Peter it says, each has been given a gift and to minister to one another as good what? Stewards, not owners. Stewards. I don't own this ministry. I'm a steward of this ministry. I just have the most responsibility before God of this ministry. That's why I'm going to teach His Word. Because I'll have to stand before Him and, 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 and give a, an account, thank you, of how I fed you. How I fed you. People get territorial, right? Someone will have some ministry for some years and then someone comes up alongside of them. Maybe they're more gifted. And all of a sudden resentment sets in. What do you have now? Unity or division? Division. Division steps in. You may disciple somebody, and over the years, they're gifted, God's called them, and they may exceed you. They may go off into some grand, big ministry, become some great preacher or something. You poured into them, you developed them, and if jealousy or envy sets in, do you have unity or division? Division. Foolishness. You own nothing. Understand you own nothing. We are stewards of everything that's been given to us by grace. It's important to note that. You know, there's a church in Louisiana, right? If you look at this church, it's got a roof. Half of it's green and half of it's red. Why do you suppose half of it's green and half of it's red? Because as they did their little building project over the years, and they had this little committee for that, and this little committee for this, and these guys had this idea, and they had this idea, and they all joined together, they got the funds together, they built this building. You had one group of people that was adamant about having a green roof, another group adamant about having a red roof, and they were going to split over it. This is a true story. They were going to split over it. This stupid, ridiculous color of a roof. So some brilliant mind came in and said, hey, i got a good idea. Let's keep, us, let, let's keep from splitting. Let's put half the roof green and half the roof red. Right? You know what that is? A testimony of the world right there? What is that testimony? Division within the body of Christ that is supposed to be an example to the world. How ridiculous is that? Come on, somebody. We do not want to go there. That's just a surface issue, guys. Those type of surface issues have some deep root somewhere. Okay? And Hebrews tells us that a bitter root defiles many. This is unity of the faith. They get focused on the superficial nonsense, and they're not joined together and unified in the faith, meaning they're not unified in the deep things of God. They're not unified in Christian doctrine. They get caught up with this ownership and nonsense. It's ridiculous. So, unity of the faith. That leads us to purpose number two. Purpose number two. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of who? Ah, oh, the Son of God. Now we know if doctrine is not the focus, disunity over foolishness will occur. There's no doubt about it. it happens many times. Look at, just look at church history just in America over the last 200 years. And you'll see all kinds of ridiculous stories. Knowledge of the Son of God. This is not basic knowledge of the Son of God. Okay? This is not basic salvation knowledge. This has to move the Christian beyond John 3.16. Okay? If a Christian lives off of, feeds off of, and all they know is John 3.16, how mature are they going to look down the road? This moves us beyond the simple salvation message, which is the core of everything, and it takes us deep, right into the Son of God. That's why I read from John 1, 1 this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead. The one who came out of heaven, the one, remember a few weeks ago, what did he do? He lowered himself, and he took on humanity. He became one of us, brothers and sisters. He became one of us, and he paid the price for you. He died for you. And it is Him, it's in Him that this unity leads to a deeper knowledge of Him. So we've got to get past the basic glorious gospel message because if we don't get past it, we're not going to be able to share it. You see? Because people can ask you about this Jesus you serve and you say, well, for God so loved the world. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus loves you. He died for you. Well, what does that mean? Why did He die? You're here with some guy who died on a cross? 
And if that's all I know, I don't, I'm not going to be able to communicate that, yeah, it was, it was planned before the foundation of the earth. Because the world thinks that Jesus, for the most part, is a man that we made God. And they don't understand that he's God who became a man. Come on now. So we've got to grow in the knowledge of his son. Paul said this in Philippians 3.10. Listen to his heart. He goes, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is deep personal knowledge, deep personal involvement, deep personal attachment to the Son of God. Deep. Deep. A lot of American Christian theology today, bumper sticker Christianity. Teach your Christianity. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all over your car. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all over my hat. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all over my t-shirt. But when you sit down and you talk to the people that are gloating in the name of Jesus everywhere, they don't know him deeply. They don't understand him deeply. And if a church is given to sound doctrine, you're going to come into a deep, rich relationship with this son, the second person of the Godhead. And then it's just going to lead on to the next, which we'll get to in a minute. But, oh, the richness of knowing the son, you see? So we've got to move past just the simple salvation message so that the saint can be equipped with the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's why we join, brothers and sisters. Amen? Does that excite you as much as it does me? This is the Jesus of the Scriptures. Okay? And, and, hey, man. And, and, and Jesus' stickers are cool and all that, so please don't feel bad if you have them. They're great. My point is, do not let that be the depth of your theology. Do not let that be the depth of your knowledge of the Son of God. Right? It's only the Scriptures in yieldedness to the authority of the Scriptures that's going to take you deeper into who the Son is and who you are in Him, you see? So sound teaching leads to unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. This is full knowledge, guys. Correct, accurate, comes by faithful study. A lot of times Christians' Bibles will sit on the shelf and collect dust all week. Come on now. They blow them off, right? Pick them up and roll into church on Sunday, if they bring them at all. What we have to do is to get into the Scriptures and get the Scriptures into us, and the Son of God will be made manifest in you in a way that you could never imagine. Above and beyond what you could ever think or imagine, right? Come on now, we learned that a couple weeks ago. Above and beyond. 2 Corinthians 4.6. Listen to this. Now listen to this about the Son of God. For it is this, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts the gift of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the faith face of Jesus Christ. This is He who said, Let there be light. This is He of John 1 1 that we read earlier. The second person of the Godhead, that's who we're talking about now. That's who we want to just be fully engulfed in. Fully, I want to encourage you, Christians, brothers, sisters. I want to encourage you to begin to fill your mind. Look at your just just look at your daily life. See how much time you spend in front of the TV. See how much time you spend doing this, that, and the other thing. And begin to read strong resources that take you into the face of God. Try to get away from the self-help Christian books. You know. Get along better with your coworker. Do better at this. How to get better at that. How to be rich for the glory of God. Get into the face of God in books like Knowing God, Knowledge of the Holy, Holiness of God. Because what that, those books focus on, those are men who've spent their lives studying theology and studying the Word of God, and they take you into a richer, deeper understanding of the Word of God right into the face of the Son of God. Then you let the holiness of God penetrate your mind. And then your theology will become deeper, and the things that satisfy your spiritual taste buds won't be five steps to a better whatever. Amen? Everything else will flow out of that. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Let's get away from this man-centered theology which is being touted today and get into the proper theology of God glorified. The Son of God glorified. 
And that will, that will create a strong-minded body of believers. And that leads us to purpose number three. Okay, we have the unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Perfect man. Knowledge and submission to the Word of God, knowledge and submission to the Son of God, leads to maturity. Leads to more Christ-likeness. You get it? Christ-likeness. There's a progression here we're looking at. You see the progression? It's going like this. The progression is an upward life that manifests the Son of God. Maturity simply leads to greater Christ-likeness in your life and through your life. In and through your life. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Mark it down. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Okay? Being, present tense, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The deeper our knowledge of Christ the more we make our way into who he is as revealed through this, guys, check it out, Scripture. Scripture. Not what some people tout on the TV. Okay? Jesus this and Jesus that promoted through these certain types of ministries that don't exalt the Scriptures will lead you down the wrong road. Down the wrong road. Glory to glory, glory to glory means from one level of maturity to the next. Glory to glory will not stop in your life, amen? Until he chooses to take you home. Or if you're here when he comes back, one or the other. You're either going to die while you're here, or he's coming to get you. Either way, you're going to be with him because you're in him, amen? So while I'm here, may I know him. Come on now. Knowledge, growth, maturity. You know, faith is a form of knowledge, amen? Okay? Faith is birthed out of transformed thinking. So, faith is a form of knowledge, but knowledge is not necessarily a form of faith. Okay? Faith is birthed out of a transformed thinking, a renewed mind. When the Holy Spirit invades your life, as He did, if you're here in Christ, He invaded your life, He transformed the first thing in you, which was your what? Your thinking. You realized you were a sinner. You realized you couldn't do enough good to get to heaven. You realized he was the only way. You realized that he gives you spiritual life and you submitted and surrendered to him. But on the other hand, there's a lot of people who have that very knowledge and have yet to submit to him. Zero faith. Deadness. Knowledge. And that's the end of it. Just knowledge. So faith is a form of knowledge, but knowledge is not necessarily a form of faith. All of this knowledge comes through the living, active word of who? God. God. So the aim of every true believer is maturity in Christ. The goal is that the whole church represents a full-grown Christ. Right? Because the perfect man, you know what the measure is? Look at it. To a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of what? The fullness of Christ. The measuring rod of perfection for you, believer, is Jesus himself. See? Stature means height. Okay? Stature means height. I've watched my children go and grow in stature over the years. You know? Actually, in our garage door, we go out of our garage into our kitchen, or out of our kitchen into our garage. On the right-hand side, there's this wall where my little button for the garage door is. And if you look on there, you'll see these little marks, little hash marks. They start about about this low, okay? It says, Cody, 1997. Lacey, <laughs> 1997, right? Cody, 1998, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, and so on. So every year on January 1, I, I mark where they're at, okay? And on my son is way up here. And I was looking at it the other day, and when he started, he was way down here. He said, man, I don't even remember looking into his face way down there. <laughs> They've grown in stature. They're growing in stature. Okay? When we come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, the standard for you and me is Christ. Christ. When is the race over, ladies and gentlemen? Honestly, it's not. Till you get home.
then you will step into practical perfection. See, God is not satisfied, guys, with his people simply going to church. Okay? He didn't call you to simply show up on Sunday. He doesn't call for that. He demands full-grown spiritual maturity for every man and woman who's in his son. That's what his demand is. That's what he's calling us to, you see. We have unredeemed flesh, amen? You still have sin in you, and that sin wants to please who? Self, okay? You can't help the fact that your flesh desires to sin, Galatians 5, right? The problem is, is when we fulfill the what? The desire. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another, and this is what they do, right? And if I yield to my flesh, I'm going to end up not doing that which I want to do, which is to honor God. So if I feed into my flesh and I fulfill the desires of my flesh, I'm going to live a life that manifests the what? Flesh. If I die to my fleshful desires, if I die to the things of wanting to please self and yield to the Spirit of God, I'm going to take on the growth, stature, and characteristics of Christ by the power of the Spirit who lives in you. There's the measuring rod. It's Jesus himself. When you begin to get into the Scriptures and you evaluate the fullness of Jesus Christ, you'll quickly see where you're at. And if you want to have joy in that, you simply submit more of yourself to Him. And you will grow. You will grow. That's a guarantee. And you will find that you will have a deepening hunger for the Word of God. If you're not in the Word, you're not going to stimulate the hunger. Right? If I go to my refrigerator every night after dinner, which oftentimes I do, for a little ice cream. You know what my body expects after dinner? You know what my taste buds begin to do? They begin to explode. For whatever kind of ice cream I eat. I can't remember the name of it, but it's good. <laughs> to kill that appetite, because I've established that appetite in my life, i got to stop buying ice cream. Come on now. Okay? You know what? Start feeding yourself on the Word of God. Start yielding yourself by faith to the authority of the Word of God. And you will grow in the stature and the fullness of Christ. You will establish a hunger. You will establish an appetite that must be fed. You got it? Paul's goal in ministry is that believers will come to maturity in Christ. That's my goal. That's my goal. That's the goal, come on now. And I hope that's our goal. I hope your goal for your own life is to come to a place of maturity in Christ. That's an ongoing, constant state of pursuit. Paul said, run the race, man. Run with what? Endurance. Setting your eyes and fixing your eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. That leads us to purpose number four. Now check this out. We have men given for the equipping of the saints. When they're equipped, when they're matured, when they're perfected, they'll do the work of the ministry. They'll edify one another. They'll be unified in the faith. They'll come to a deeper knowledge of the Son of God. They will grow with a desire to meet the stature, the measuring rod of which is Jesus himself. Amen? And the, the result of that, you know what the result of sound doctrine is? Adulthood. Okay? No longer children. Look at verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Children. Little kids are gullible. Okay? Little kids are ignorant. Ignorance simply means you do not know. Okay? When you were all children, when I was a child, there's things you just did not know. Amen? Adults, if they're manipulative, can get a child to believe anything they want. That's why so many young children are hurt, misled, because children are so trusting. If you've been hurt by an adult as a child, and, and there's bitterness and resentment, take that to God. Tell God. Surrender it to God. There might be people you have to forgive in your life. This is a side note. Because bitterness and resentment against that person, by the way, will not hurt that person. It will only destroy you. God can do a healing work, but you've got to let him do it. You've got to let him in. You've got to let him in to where you were damaged, where you were hurt. There's a side note there, but kids are ignorant. 
children are ignorant. They just don't know. I remember when I was a little kid, you know, it was around Christmas time, and it was dusk, and it gets dark at, what, 4.30 in December? And an adult, my uncle, or no, it was my cousin, he pointed up a roof, and he goes, look, there's Santa Claus. Okay? You know what I saw? Santa Claus. <laughs> and a couple elves. That's what I saw. You get it, right? Babies. You people, you, you, you folks who have new, newborn babes, as that baby begins to crawl, you will not let that baby just crawl around the house until you pick some things up. Come on, amen? Because what does a baby do with anything it touches? Where does it go? Right to the mouth. Right to the mouth. You will not let them crawl around in the backyard if you have a dog, right? Babies are undiscerning. Babies don't know. Babies are gullible. Young children are gullible. Young children are simply ignorant. It's the parent's job to grow them in knowledge. Discernment. My friend was telling me of a... He was in a restaurant with these men I met yesterday, and he said he was in a restaurant on Friday, and he saw a 12-year-old throwing an absolute... 12-year-old throwing a hissy fit to their mom and dad out loud in public because the mom said sit in this seat and she didn't want to sit in that, in that seat. So she started going, <laughs> and mom just goes, oh, okay, okay, go sit over there. That was a lack of not whipping out the belt enough in life is what that was. <laughs> when I'm out in public with my family and kids do that, like my kids are there and I always start to pull off my belt and says, I think this guy needs to use that. Lack of discipline, that's what it will lead to. Throwing a tantrum. You know what? Maturing Christians will not be tossed to and fro by every strange doctrine that wheels into town. Immature Christians will. Gullible Christians will be swayed by weird doctrines, by false teachings, because they're not being taught sound doctrine. The best thing I can do is to feed you truth. Okay? If you all work for the Treasury Department where they make money, is that, is that it? Is that the name of it? You don't study counterfeit money, right? You study the real deal so that when you know the real deal, you can see the counterfeit a mile away. The same is true in the faith. If you're being taught sound doctrine, you're being taken into the face of God through the Holy Scriptures. You stand on the truth. You know the truth. You're able to dispense the truth. You're also able to discern that which is not true. And you won't be swayed any longer, you see. A lot of Christians... Not only will they roll or hop on any bandwagon rather that rolls into town, they, they church hop. Because they, they want their flesh stimulated. They want to be entertained, so they just go around. They never settle down. They never become part of the body to effectively become a ministering agent within the body to help equip the body, you see. They never grow. They just hop around, roll around. This Christian bandwagon rolls into town, so they hop onto it and they ride it for a while and then the next one they hop onto it and it rolls them for a while and they just continue on they, they continue on in their ignorant infancy dangerous and then all of a sudden here comes a cult and then all of a sudden real danger comes and then all of a sudden they're starting to think twice about this faith that they have in Christ trickery I'm telling you man Satan is clever the word trickery Look at this. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. Kubaya, where we get the word cube, where we get the word dice, where they take loaded dice, and they throw dice, and they play dice, and they trick and pull the people in, and what do they gain from it? The old casinos used to gain money, right? Trickery. Dice. The devil is crafty. Cunning. And the devil will wrap temptation, and the devil will wrap what seems to be good into a pretty package. And then some ignorant, ill-equipped, poor young Christian will get sucked right into that belief system. There was this, uh, there's this local cult in North County called the Twelve Tribes Cult. They're a little communal group. They have their little commune. And one of the things that they do is they... They go, first of all, after young believers, okay? They go to churches 
where there's a lot of gospel talk, there's a lot of evangelism talk, so there's Christians really not growing in the faith, so they're going to be easily what? Swayed. So when I was serving at The Rock, we were on San Diego State property, so people had the freedom to hand out anything they wanted, and I didn't have any power to kick them out because it was state property. So here's these 12 tri tribe guys out there with their little beards and their little pamphlets and trying to look all humble, you know, and trying to look poor and trying to look, oh, you know, we just sell everything we have and we're just one. And they try to throw this guilt in, you see. So someone who doesn't know their position in Christ, they don't understand sound doctrine, they're going to get just pulled right into that. Because I couldn't kick them off, I simply stood next to them. And at the Rock, huge services, you had thousands of people coming out. So as the people were walking by, I would say, don't listen to them, don't take their stuff, it's a cult, don't take it, don't listen, it's a cult, it's a cult, it's a cult, it's a cult. I can't tell you how many people go, they have the right to, for us to read their material too. They would take it, totally ignorant, not caring, undiscerning. And you get pulled right into it, you see. Cults and false teachers always attempt to kidnap baby Christians. The main place that you will find that they hang out are outside of churches where there's a lot of new converts. That's their pattern. Ill-equipped young kids who grow up in the church, they go off into college, they go to a secular college, the first thing that's going to be attacked is their profession of Jesus Christ. And if kids, if you're growing up, and your mom and dad are teaching the truth of God, and you're sitting in this church, and you're like, man, this dude talks too long, and I'm like, tired of listening. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, you need to know this stuff. Because when you get into a college, they will attack your faith. And if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it, you will be swayed right into humanism. Who's helped me out? Somebody help me out there. What did you say? Lies, period. Lies. So here we have an equipped body, taught doctrine, coming to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man, the measure of which is Christ, the fullness of Christ, no longer children swayed to and fro. Walter Martin, who wrote the great book, Kingdom of the Cult, said this, and I quote, Isn't it amazing that a 90-day wonder out of the Jehovah's Witnesses can take apart the average Christian in just 30 minutes? Can you stand against them if they knock at your door? Come on now. I hope so. If you can't, you keep coming to church. You keep getting fed sound doctrine. You keep lending yourself to that doctrine. You keep delving and diving into the scriptures and coming to the face of Christ and coming to a deeper knowledge of the Son of God. And you'll be able to give them doubt. Come on. Satan's clever. Beware lest any of you, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of man, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Colossians 2.8. Now, as we get into purpose number five, I want you to look at something. This type of an equipped Christian, this type of a Christian who has this knowledge won't be swayed by lies. They won't be drawn into the TV that you can have your best life now, okay? And they won't look at that as some dynamic ministry. They'll see it as superficial nonsense, okay? That type of Christian will be this. One who, verse 15, is one that speaks the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things unto him who is the head Christ. When you're equipped like that, you're gonna, you know what you're going to become? Evangelistic. You will become an evangelist and you will become an edifying factor to the body of Christ. You see? That's purpose number five. When all of these other things roll right into place and you submit yourself to his authority and you grow in him, you will become an evangelist. Now, so many people I'll tell you, pastors included that I know, okay, friends of mine who I love, They'll say, man, if you have one of those teaching type of churches that teach doctrine, 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 you'll never have a heart for, to save souls. That's a lie. You know who the soul winners are, brothers and sisters? You. You. You are the soul winners now. 
When you're equipped to know the truth, I'll tell you what, an ill-equipped Christian cannot go out into a world that has many worldviews and challenge those worldviews without being absolutely pummeled. Pummeled. There's great evangelists right in this room here that I know of. We've got my brother Larry, man. He was down at the Gay Pride Parade, of all places. Was it two weeks ago? Sharing the gospel with boastful homosexuals in a parade. Guys dressed up like chicks. In love. He was speaking the truth in love because he's equipped to speak the truth in love. Don and John, they, they have a, 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 a right in the heart of Pacific Beach. This is our, this is our hood. Come on. This is our hood. They have a little shop down there. You walk into that, it's just evangelism all day. The love of Christ all day. When there's an opportunity, they share Jesus Christ. And people just buy stuff all day long. They're in a convenient location. They're right there, a block from the beach. It's just an evangelistic, Jesus Christ glorified workplace. Someone right here from our church. Someone who spoke to me yesterday, he, wanted, he was asking me questions when we were working on this building over here about... Uh, um, how to answer these certain questions that one of his co-workers has because he's evangelizing the guy. This kind of truth is given in love. You know, it's been said. Check this out. Truth without love is brutality. But Truth without love is brutality, but love without truth is hypocrisy. Okay? Now, you can stand here today and claim Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Okay? And you have some friends that give themselves to some of the false belief system. And if you pat them on the back and say, oh, I'm just glad we're going to heaven together, you're genuine in what you believe, and I'm genuine in what I believe, and you know what? Praise God, we're going to heaven. You're a hypocrite. Period. Because if you profess Jesus Christ, you're professing the Jesus Christ of the gospel. You're professing Jesus Christ who's revealed himself through scripture. And what the Bible says of those who do not adhere to the full doctrine of Jesus Christ, Second uh, John 9, you're not gods. So if you have appeased people, patted people on the back with their false belief system, you, you might want to check yourself. Very important. Very, very important. I'm not going to lie to you. See, mature Christians can't contain the perfected, Love of Jesus Christ that gives them an urgency not only to live the truth, but to speak the truth when they're given the opportunity. And then you don't have to count on me to be the evangelist. I'll do the work of an evangelist, as Paul said to Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't say, be one. I'm an equipper of the saints for the work of the ministry. Part of the work of the ministry is to be evangelistic. Another part of the work of, the, of uh, uh, an equipped church is to speak the truth and love to one another. That's edification. To edify means to build a house. You start down here and you build up. You speak someone the truth. If someone needs to be reproved or corrected because they're not rightly representing Christ, you go in love. Pray about it, and then you go in love, and you speak the truth in love to help get the brother or sister back on track. Amen? That's the work of the ministry. Work of the ministry. So the whole argument that people have that this... It's not a soul win in church. That's a lie. I'm, a, I'm here to equip you. Keep this in your mind. When you follow all these, all of these principles that we're learning today, you, you won't be able to help but be evangelistic. That doesn't mean you'll be standing on the corner with a bullhorn, right? No. You will simply be living a life that glorifies the one and manifests the one that you so strongly profess with your bumper sticker. <laughs> with your life. Amen? With your life. Unity. Unification. No longer swayed. Right? I was swayed last night by something. I've got to tell you this. Then we'll get on to the conclusion. I wake up to my wife absolutely, sorry, absolutely screaming in fear for my name, calling my name. So I'm, the neighbors behind us are having this raging party, so we close the windows, turn on the fans on high, put earplugs in, and I knew I needed to get some rest. I kept getting... Woke up by this noise, and finally I get to sleep, and then I hear through all of that, through the earplugs and the fan, my wife screaming my name. She's having a nightmare. So I sit there, I comfort her, and she says, what is that? She says, what is that? And she's talking about a noise, which I didn't know, and she thought 
what I thought she meant by what is that is I'm looking, it's dark, I'm looking to the door of our bedroom and I see a man standing there. So I thought, right? I saw a shadow, I'm not a mystical guy, come on. Those of you who know me, I'm not mystical at all. I saw a man standing at our door, so when she said, what is that, I found out later she was talking about some noise, I thought she was talking about that. So, on the side of my bed, I have a home intrusion protecting, protective device. Louisville Slugger. So I jump out of bed, grab this baseball bat, and all this stuff's running through my head, right? It's running through my head that I know my son, my daughter was on stand at a friend's house, and my son, he was sick, so he slept a lot of the day. And I'm, as I'm getting ready to go to the corner, I'm going to start swinging. And I'm thinking, what if it's my son and he heard my wife? So I went around the corner like this. Flip the light on in the hall. There's my son. He's in bed. Okay, cool. I'm thinking there's an intruder, intruder in my house, and I'm going to hit me a home run. I'm running through every room. Nobody there. Total figment of my imagination. Total figment of my imagination. Young believers will think they see things, hear things, and some false belief system will feed into that. And then they will become totally experiential in their belief system. Totally subjective instead of objective. Amen? Figment of my imagination. We were even talking about the same thing. All I knew is she, she had some crazy dream. She says, what's that? And it was a noise, which was my drunken neighbors, right? Wow. The devil's crafty. Wiki. You must be rooted in truth. You must be rooted in truth. The conclusion, we have one source for all of these things. Okay, we know we got the speaking the truth in love. You become evangelistic. You're going to challenge people who are maybe caught up in some false belief system. You're going to speak that truth in love. And then, from whom, verse 16, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in what? In love. Bring it. In love. The power source is the head. The body's connected to the head. Jesus is the head of the church. We're the body. You're a part. You've been gifted. You've got to operate within your gift. If you operate within your gift, yield yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit, give yourself to sound doctrine, you will grow. When you grow, the whole body grows. You get it? Then we're able to effectively minister to one another and rightly represent the head in a culture who does not know him. They know about him, right? We're not going to have a red and green roof either. You want to argue about that? You can go get a room with those who want to argue about it. And we'll put on a black roof. All right? Maturing believer. An isolated Christian? You know, sometimes Christians don't get their little way within church, so they disappear. That's a sign of immaturity. You can't be ministered to, and you can't be ministered through if you isolate yourself. There's going to be days you're not going to feel like coming to church. Amen? There'll be days that the devil will do anything possible to keep you from fellowshipping with the brethren, from fellowshipping with the body as a body part, under the headship of the head, Jesus Christ. Persevere. Truth unites, lies divide. If you're a liar, you've got to repent. Okay? Christianity, saved by grace, and lying, they don't go hand in hand. God will chasten you. Don't lie, stop lying. Amen? Selfishness divides. We get our eyes off of ourselves and on Christ, you will see brothers and sisters as those in whom you are called to minister to. Amen? So, do the purposes we looked at today, think about this, application time, do the purposes of a maturing believer reflect who you are? You've got to think about that. Do the purposes of a maturing believer, the five purposes we looked at, under the one power source, the head, Jesus Christ himself, do they reflect who you are? If not, are you willing to submit more of yourself to him? You see? 
Are you willing to simply submit more of yourself to him to be an effective body part within this body, under the head, Jesus Christ, growing in the grace and knowledge of him, is sound doctrine is taught through the shepherd teachers, plural, who will equip you for the work of the ministry. And you will be evangelistic. Because you'll want to be. And then we can focus on the full chairs. And I don't need to give you mailers to go get the empty chairs filled. Because the life and the effect that your life has on others, God will fill the chairs with them. Amen? Okay, let's pray.